Welcome to the Success Road Podcast. This is the podcast where we meet at the intersection of your life, and then we take decisive action to move onward toward higher levels of success. My name is Joshua Rivers from PodcastGuyMedia.com, and I'm here to take you on this journey. Today, we get to talk with Jason Osborne. He's a LinkedIn coach and consultant with an incredible story. In this episode, he's going to share how he was involved in a plane crash as well as how he used that as a catalyst to help him be able to change his life. And there's a lot of great things that we're going to hear from Jason. So let's just jump into this conversation that I had with Jason Osborne. It was 2002 and uh, I was in my early 20s and I was helping some people. I was involved in a church back in Houston. We were real big in with youth and community and outreach and, and that kind of thing. And so we were looking at creating a community center for kids, for teenagers to be able to go in and just a place for the community for, for teenagers to come in and whether it's playing video games or playing basketball or whatever the case may be. And so that was in Houston. And we'd heard about a place in Temple, Texas that had something similar set up for that. So me and a few other people, there was five of us on the plane. It was just a, a little small, little twin engine prop plane. We were on our way to go check this place out. So we left Houston and never been on a prop plane before. And uh, on our way there, we were almost almost there, and um, the uh, both the engines uh, died, and um, and uh, we we just kind of glided down, ended up crashing into a house, and um, the whole uh, right side of the plane uh, was ripped off, um, and uh, so yeah, it was it was. Uh, I, I I didn't I was the only one facing the tail of the plane, so I couldn't really tell we were where we were going. So I didn't know we were over a housing development um, or, you know, like a housing um, place. I just thought we were over a field or something. But, um, yeah, um, we we hit and um, me and one other guy ended up uh, surviving that crash. Uh, the other three passed away. And um, it was – it was um, I can't really explain it. You know, it's, it's – uh, your life kind of changes after that moment. Um, I was really close with the people that, that passed away. Um, you, you know, it's a whole survivor's guilt thing and um, going through that process of kind of how do you move forward? How do you kind of pick up from all of that, all those pieces and, um, you know, being around the the survivor's family and feeling that guilt of living and while, you know, they're, their loved one passed away and all that, you know, it was a really challenging, it was a good year um, before I've kind of felt kind of normal again. But um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time for sure. Yeah. I can't, I can't identify to anything close to that in my life, yeah. but, uh, but I can, I can vaguely imagine what, what that would be like. And that would be, Frightening. I've been in a small plane one time. Um, I think it seated four people, including the pilot. And me, me and my wife got to go up for for a private private thing, and it was it was kind of cool. But it it is a little bit different feeling than flying in a in a like full size jet or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a different feeling. I'd never, like I said, I'd never been in a a prop plane before, and um, 
particularly a tiny little one. <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> very different. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that was, that, that was quite a while ago. And so I know that you've had some entrepreneurial, like an entrepreneurial spirit in you for like almost your whole life, at least since you were young. And, and so I know that kind of continued then even after this, after that, that whole accident and recovering from that, you eventually got into coaching. So how did, how did that, that transition take place from going into that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I owned my first business when I was 20 years old. Um, I sold uh, window covering. So blinds, that was a couple years before the plane crash. And I, I loved business. Um, as a matter of fact, in the plane, um, I was writing down uh, some ideas for a new business that I was wanting to start up. So it, it, it was always something, even as a teenager, I, I knew I wanted to be in business. I didn't know exactly what that mean, meant as a teenager, but I knew I wanted to be in business. So, you know, after the, the plane crash, it, it was still my idea to go into business, but I, I didn't even know what to do. Like I would wake up in the mornings and, you know, th those first couple of weeks and months afterwards, I couldn't even see, you know, I wake up in the mornings and I couldn't even picture myself what I was doing at one o'clock in the afternoon. You know, so much less starting up a business. So it took a while to to get to that point. But once I did, you know, I, I started some different things. And the main thing that transitioned me into coaching, a few years later, uh, I ended up getting uh, married, uh, moving to the Republic of Ireland. And so it was a whole new country. It was, um, you know, a whole new culture. It was just new everything. And so I thought, you know, go ahead and get a job a new country. I, I want to kind of figure out what's going on and understand the culture a bit more living here. Um, but I always knew I'd go into business. So uh, I was looking around and, you know, looking at lots of different things. And one thing that really, I've always been really just interested in and inspired by is the whole kind of personal development industry. And combined with, so this was about 13 years ago. Now, the whole new online marketing thing, which uh, I've as an industry as a whole, it's still really new, but particularly back then I was really, really new. I was like, Oh, how can I start an online business, be able to do business anywhere in the world, doing something I really love doing, which is helping people and all that sort of thing. So I studied as a life coach. I went through a course for that and started marketing myself online. And man, Joshua, I had no clue what I was doing marketing myself online. Didn't, it's just a whole new world. So, um, but I, I loved it. I loved the whole, everything about it. And so within 18 months, I'd built up an email list of about 9,000 people. I was coaching people in 13 countries and I made kind of a transition uh, to helping people online um, from some advice, some, from some other internet marketing kind of big name people in the industry back then. But that's how I got started. And it's kind of that coaching element, which I think if you're a coach, you kind of you kind of already do it in one way or another. It just hasn't necessarily been formalized. But that was how I cut my teeth doing it, you know, online. I'm getting people on calls, like a Zoom call or whatever, Skype call and, and coaching people. I don't know actually if Zoom was even around 13 years ago, but it was Skype that we were doing calls on. Um, but yeah, that's how I got started, man, and, and loved every second of it. Well, excellent, excellent. And so one of the things I really wanted to talk with you about, though, is when the, we could say the odds are stacked against you when you're facing challenges and it seems like it's virtually impossible. We've talked about some of the challenges and things that you've 
gone through so far and and I'm sure there's other things too, but how can you be able to build things into that to be able to move forward? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things. So one just real practical thing that I do every single day, I go over this and I coach this through with my clients as well. Even though it's online marketing, I still coach this because it's really important is something that I call a daily log or a daily journal, which we've probably all heard about. We'll go, oh yeah, I know that. But do we actually do it? <laughs> and most people don't. Um, so I keep a daily journal, daily log, where I track the different things that I'm wanting to move forward in in my life. So I, I keep mine really simple. I break everything down. I have three kind of sections to it. And the first section is my daily tracker, my daily habits. So I've got um, a couple things in there. I track six things, um, but one of them is around health. One of them is around finances. One of them is around what I do within LinkedIn because I'm a LinkedIn kind of coach and mentor and trainer, and then just some personal development stuff. But I track those and I'll make sure that I do these six things every single day without fail. Like it's just, it, it, and a lot of times people go, oh yeah, you know, it takes 30 days to build, to create a habit. But actually a habit doesn't really form until it becomes second nature where you don't even think about it anymore. That, that's an actual, that's an ingrained habit. And a lot of times after 30 or 60 days, people haven't created the ingrained habit. They, they've created a consistency of doing something, but they still have to proactively think about doing it, which is something a lot of people don't really get. They don't understand the difference between those two things. So brushing your teeth is an ingrained habit. You just do it. You don't, you can't even, for most people, you probably don't even remember. You have to think back, did, oh yeah, I did brush my teeth. Because it's just, you just do it. That's where you want to get into in your life is where you have ingrained habits. And once you've got an ingrained habit, then you, then you go on and create another new habit. Because it, then you don't even have to think about the other one because you just do it. It's just, you, it's just part of your life. You just do it. You don't even think about it. So keeping that and tracking that's really, really important. So that's the first thing in that daily log. The other thing that I do is I write down the top three priorities uh, that I need to get done for the next day. And what this does is really helps you focus on making sure that your priorities stay on top. Because if you don't prioritize your day, someone else will. You know, you'll get emails. It could be things from your family. It could be whatever. They'll prioritize your day. They'll make sure you're busy. So if you don't make sure and say, look, I've got to get these three things done, then you won't get those done. And then the last thing I do is I write down three things that I'm grateful for so that I'm always looking at, you know, an attitude of gratitude. Really simple. I can do it in under five minutes um, and keep track of that every day. But that little thing right there, that consistency will help you move forward. So that, that's, that's my first tip <laughs> that I'd give to people is doing that daily journal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said you do that in the morning. I do mine in the evening. Okay. Um, I do mine in the evening, write them down and then I can put my top three priorities down the, the day before. So I know what my top three, three prior, priorities are for the next day so that I don't have to think about it in the morning. Okay. Just great. This is what I'm doing for that next day. Okay. Very good. Yeah. So I've, I've heard it both ways to where um, some people do it in the morning, some people do it in the I guess it has to do with like, okay, how is, your your own personal biological clock work best maybe yep yeah absolutely i mean there there's no necessarily right or wrong way way or uh, wrong timing of doing it um it's the consistency of doing it and some people love doing it in the morning they get up really early they they plan the day do their journal 
that's fantastic. I've always been more of a night person. So it just, it feels more natural for me to do it mm-hmm. many times. Well, very good. Is there anything else that people can be able to do? Obviously that's going to be able to do uh, a lot for somebody. Cause I've realized I haven't con- created a consistent habit <laughs> as you were mentioning there about doing, about doing that type of thing. But I'm starting to work on developing that, um, at least in the in my professional area of like reevaluating on a regular basis what is actually needs to get done and, and getting that that taken care of and plotting out those things and and all that. And so that really makes a big difference because it gives you clarity, it gives you focus to be able to know that that yes, I am working on the most important thing. So all these other things that will pop up, you know that they're not as important because you've already evaluated it and you can be able to focus on that. So, but, but anyway, besides taking that time, is there anything else that you can recommend? Maybe things that you've seen and clients that you worked with? Yeah. I think one, one of the other big things that uh, we're, I think we're all fall guilty of is we, we create unrealistic expectations around things in our, in our life. And one of the things that I talk a lot about to our clients when, you know, when they're just starting off, maybe they've been in business for a while, but they're starting something new. It could be, you know, this could be for your family or whatever. But whenever people start something and they, they want to, let's just say, start up a business as an example. When you start that, you think about all of the positives that come along with that, or at least what you hope all the positives are. So you'll start thinking about the lifestyle it's going to give you, the money it's going to give you, the freedom it's going to give you, how much more you're going to be able to travel, you know, the things you're going to be able to buy, you know, what you're going to be able to do for your family and you know, the education you'll be able to provide for your kids. Like you think about all of these positives. And you start off, you go into and you think, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And it's going to be great. It could be a new job, you know, like, oh, this new job is the answer. It's perfect. It fits me perfectly. It's a great company. It's a great culture. It's great leaders, all this kind of stuff. It could be a relationship, you know, oh, I finally found the one. They're the answer to my everything. What we don't do, though, is we don't balance it out from the beginning. And so we go into a situation infatuated with all of the positives and we don't look at any of the downsides. We look at all the upsides, none of the downsides. And the reality is as soon as you go into starting a business, there's going to be challenges. It may take you longer to generate business than you thought it was going to take. You're going to have to learn new skills that you didn't even know that you needed to learn. I didn't even know how to deal with this sort of stuff before. And it's this whole thing. And as soon as it happens, you start doubting yourself. Did I, write, did I make the right decision? Is this going to work out? Because you compare it to the infatuation you had at the very beginning of that journey. And when you compare what you're going through now to the infatuation, it's never going to balance up because you think, well, that's, this isn't anything what I thought it would be. So whenever you go in and you start something new, the first thing is balance that out and realize you're going to have up days and down days. You're going to have good and bad. You're going to have the the upsides, the downsides to everything. But when you're going through that process of learning challenges and all that, look at how those challenges are actually helping you move forward. How is that helping you learn? How is it helping you actually achieve the things that you wanted to at the beginning of that And when you start reframing that and understanding that actually this is part of that journey, that's what's going to help you get there. 
you know, I was actually just reading a, a post by someone this morning and they were talking about taking the business from 3 million to 10 million a year. And they were talking about that journey and they were saying, you think that once you get past a certain revenue point that the problems diminish. They don't. They're just bigger problems. You just have more resources to be able to deal with those problems. You have maybe a bigger team to help you so you don't have to do it all yourself. But you're, what this post was saying is you, you still have to learn. You still have to learn how to, the mentality and mindset to run a three million year a year business you can't have that same mindset when you're running a 10 million a year business. Like it just, it's a different set of challenges and problems and all that sort of stuff. So that's the other thing It's always look at balance. There's always going to be good. There's always going to be bad. When you can go into it and realize, look, there, it's going to balance out. It makes life so much easier because you're not trying to match up what you perceive as the imperfect life with an infatuation that was unrealistic. There's no all good life with no bad. <laughs> so, so hopefully that's encouraging and not discouraging people, but that's a really big thing that when I see people, when they actually grasp a hold of that, it makes the world a difference, not only to their business, but also to their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I've uh, realized. I took my business full time about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And I was, and so I was running it on the side. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be able to take this full time. So I quit my job and I'm like, I'll be able to scale my business up and I'll be able to do this and this and this. And it didn't work like I thought it would. And so, cause one thing I failed to do is I, I created the goals, but I didn't create the plan to actually reach the goals. That was, that was one problem I did. And another thing is most of my business up to that point was, referral base. So it's like, like someone referred them and they, they came to me and I started working with them and I didn't have any plan in place at all for, okay, how am I actually going to reach out and be able to find some new clients? Because that's not anything I've ever done before. And so, and so it was, a, it was a new thing. And so I didn't experience the fabulous growth that I thought I was going to have during that time frame, And so, so then I've had to, since uh, over like, like the last six months or so, I've been working on setting up my business to where, okay, I can actually scale. I can actually be able to bring new clients on and have a process for easily bringing them in and transitioning them to the team and being able to do all those different things. And I've been uh, in the process now of being able to, okay, how can I be able to market and, and get myself out there to, to be able to show the world that I have these services. And so, so it, yeah, it didn't work like I thought it would. I'm not discouraged, at least not most of the time. <laughs> Cause like you said, there's updates and down days. That's good. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it, there's a lot of mental pieces that go into it. You don't realize that you had the mental blocks until you come across and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh wait, that's stopping me. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it, it, we're always our, our, our biggest enemy just because we have these mental blocks. And, you know, you said it, there's so many things that we don't know we don't know. And, it went, and until we hit that barrier, we go, oh, wow, okay, I need to learn this element of it. You know, that's where that, that growth and progress comes in play. But, but that's what we, you know, that's what we teach with our clients through the rethink method and go through that process. Because we've, not only have we done it ourselves, our coaches have done it with their own businesses, but um, we've done it enough with clients now where it's, we, we, 
I wouldn't say we know all of the pitfalls, but we've seen it enough times where we're able to kind of coach and mentor people through that process to, to help them, which is good. So why don't you go ahead and go into that then, maybe just a high view of that rethink formula or method and kind of give us an yeah. idea of what that is. Yeah, sure. So, um, so it's rethink, uh, rethink social media. And the, the whole concept around this is, is rethinking, rethinking the whole process of what you're doing. And so just real quick, each letter stands for, for different element of it. So the R stands uh, for your right niche or niche, depending on where in the world you are. Um, so making sure that you're really specific on who you're targeting, uh, who your ideal prospects are, which a lot of people aren't clear on. They just try to reach everybody. And it's one of the things we go in a lot of detail around, you know, moving from just being a commodity, commodity based business where you're competing on price. So what makes you stand out? What makes you different? What's that one thing? So your right niche E is going to uh, where you start evaluating your avatar, which again, is really understanding who is your ideal prospect? Who are you looking for? Where are they? What are they looking for? What are their main problems, challenges, pain points that you can help them with? Then we go into uh, targeting your right traffic, so the T element of it, because depending on who your ideal prospects are, different places online are going to be better sources of traffic for you. If you're a very much B2B, then LinkedIn's a phenomenal platform to use if you do it properly. If you're B2C, then you know Facebook, Instagram might be a better social platform for you. you know, so there's loads of different things, but understanding how to target the right traffic. Then we've got the H, which is uh, help people for free. So you want to lead with value. And so we show people how to create what we call a lead magnet or something uh, that you're able to help people with free so they can see the value that you're able to provide and move them into an email list. And so you can build a database, a database of people. And then once you do that, have the I element, which is your immediate upsell, because you have people in what we call a yes state. So they've come across you somehow, gone, whether it is, you know, a landing page for a free gift or whether they're, you know, wanting to speak with you, whatever, but they've gone from, yes, okay, I want to do something. They've taken action. Maybe they put their name and email address in for your free training or free ebook or whatever. And now that they're in that yes state, do an immediate upsell, offer them something to take them to that next level straight away. And a percentage of those people will buy because they're like, yeah, okay, they're consuming that information right then and there. Once you do that, then it's about nurturing. So the end bit, which is nurturing your list. So communicating with your list, continuing to add value to them. How can you help them continue that process, their journey of um, you know, whatever it is that you're helping them with. So you want to nurture that list and continue to build that relationship with them. And then the last one is K, which is know your numbers. So know what your conversion rates are, know what your lifetime value of your customer is, you know, really understanding what those numbers are, because that's what will tell you where you need to work on. What's your, what's your landing page conversion rate? If it's 30%, you know, what can you do to get that 35% and the 40%? And it's those types of things that a lot of people fall short on. They just don't know their numbers. And so they don't know where they're falling short. They don't know where to improve. They don't know if, if they've done something different, if that's actually improved it or not improved it. They don't have the, the data to be able to actually quantify uh, what they're doing. So that's the rethink uh, method as a whole. 
that we walk our clients through um, through that process. And uh, it's fun. It's, it's, it's exciting to do that with our clients. Yeah, that sounds really good. So who is it that you work with? Yeah, so with, we, with Rethink, um, what we do is primarily we work with women in their 40s and men in their 50s. That's just kind of how our target works because we work with people that are wanting to transition. They're, they're tired of work. They've realized that uh, this dream of a job has, hasn't really worked out that way. Um, and they're wanting to make a difference. They're wanting to create more freedom in their life. And so that's primarily who we work with. It can be business owners or non-business owners, but we, we work with a, con- a combination of people just starting off with an online business or people that have been in business for a while, but they're wanting to scale that online and we can, we can help both the, both types of people. Mm-hmm. Well, very good. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to specifically mention before we wrap things up? Well, the one thing that I would say around this is wherever you're going in business, making sure that you are moving out of being a commodity. And this is a really big thing that a lot of people miss. And again, in the rethink method, we, we go through and help people with this, but it's kind of that last tip that I'll, I'll just kind of mention is move out of a commodity based market where, you know, don't position yourself as a life coach or a manufacturer, right? It's too broad. People will buy based on price. You want to make sure you stand out, make yourself different. And so you position yourself really strong and you're attracting and dealing with your ideal prospects that you can actually help. And also to have the money to pay, which is always good. Yeah, so definitely. And I, I know that I had to do some work on that. Still working on it. <laughs> Try to do that because I realized that I was basic. I, I didn't think I was, but I was basically just positioning myself as a commodity. And it's like everyone, you look what I do. And I can't, can't remember where I heard it. I can't remember if it was when I was in that conversation or if it was somewhere else. But the only advantage of having low price is if you are the lowest and you're able to be able to actually work with that. I mean, that, that may not work for everybody, but if you're in the middle, there's no advantage. You're just being compared to everybody else. And so, and so I I can't remember the exact phrasing of that. So that was probably like a butchering of, of what (laughs) what I heard. That's where I was. I was kind of in the middle and maybe high middle. I don't know. But, uh, but then I'm like, okay, how do I actually need to be able to stand out? And so I've gone through, a similar process to what you laid out here. It's like a game changer as I'm going through and I have so much more clarity as I'm talking with people and conversing. I mean, talking, whatever, even online, whatever, social media messages and things like that. And it's like, I'm so much more clear on who it is. And it, okay, is this person the type of person I want to work with? Is this the type of person that I can see as being able to really help? Um, and things like that. And then I can still in the process, but I can imagine that the people that as I start to work with them, they're going to be able to easily be able to look and see, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Five to 10 conversations with people that are basically doing the same thing and the prices are about the same. And then it, then it's just like, okay, like any, mini miny mo at that point. And I don't want to compete yeah. in that kind of market anymore. No. And I, I don't know anyone who does. <laughs> You know, it's it's really challenging. You know, what one of the kind of easiest examples that I can give for this is a personal trainer. You know, we all know where you can go get a personal trainer. There, you just go to the gym, and they're they're just there, standing around. You know, and you compete on price. You you ask a personal trainer what can they help you do. Well, 
I can help you lose weight or I can help you build muscle. It's, it's pretty straightforward, right? And you will just pretty much buy on price. Okay. But if you're a personal trainer and you position yourself and you say, okay, I want to work with athletes. Well, why athletes? Because athletes, they're already in a frame of mind where they're wanting to do the work. They're probably exercising on a very regular basis. They're going to be great clients to work with. Okay. As opposed to, you know, the new year's resolutions crowd, which they're going to stop working out in two weeks anyway. (laughs) So if you, if you position yourself and say, okay, look, I help athletes to achieve peak performance in 90 days. That's a game changer for a personal trainer because you're working with people that are already in the mindset. They're going to be great, great clients. It's a very specific outcome of helping them to achieve peak performance, which, you know, athletes, if that's, you know, that's what athletes want. They want to achieve peak performance. And you're able to give a time frame on showing that I'm not a, a personal trainer, so I don't know if 90 days is realistic or not. But, <laughs> you know, you have that time frame. And so an athlete, just as you said, Joshua, they'll, they'll identify. And they'll go, oh, that's me. I'm an athlete. And you can help me achieve peak performance in 90 days. Okay, I want to talk to you. And an athlete, if they believe that you can help them achieve that, price will always come into it to some degree. But they're not so, they're just not so much worried about the price as opposed to, can you help me achieve this mm-hmm. outcome? When you're able to frame what you do in that way, it's a game changer because then you're not really competing on price. You're saying, look, I can help you achieve this outcome. Do you want it? Yes or no. And if they want it, they'll pay you for it. So yeah, it's, it, it is a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so thank you for bringing that up also um, during this. So Jason, thank you very much for your time and your sharing your experience and uh, and your advice and all the th- different things there with uh, Rethink, where would be the best place that somebody could be able to go to find out more? Yeah, sure. So um, we, uh, we have a book called uh, Rethink Social Media, and you can download the first four chapters of that if you go to rethinkgift.com, and you can put your name and email address in there, get the first four chapters, and just uh, have a read through that, and uh, it's great value. And then if you want to connect with me personally, um, you can just check out my LinkedIn profile, uh, Jason Osborne, and uh, you can connect with me there, there as well. But definitely recommend going to rethinkgift.com. All right. Well, we'll make sure to have links to all of that in the show notes to make it easy. So you should be able to just swipe over in your podcast app, or you can go to successroadpodcast.com slash 434, and you can be able to get the show notes that way as well. And I look forward to speaking with you in the very next episode. But until then, take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.